Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, I'll be chatting all things fitness and health for all ages and how to stay active in your 50s and your 60s. I'm delighted to be joined by fitness expert and personal trainer, Jacqueline Hooten, who specializes in promoting active aging and avoiding physical decline in midlife. I started following her on Instagram, oh, I'd say about two or three months ago now. I've been so impressed by the content she's been posting in terms of health in terms of wellness and in terms of exercise it's been absolutely inspirational so we had to have her on the podcast to find out more and have a really good chat Jacqueline welcome to the show how's it going thank you very much all good thank you what a lovely introduction <laughs> no pressure no yeah, pressure yeah, whatsoever but I have <laughs> so I suppose I, so I know you from following you on Instagram uh, and I've been really impressed by the kind of stuff that you've been posting tell our listeners a little bit more about you uh, and about about how about fitness and you know how you got into it um okay so I'm 58 now I've got five children and two grandchildren and as you've said I'm very much about promoting active aging but obviously I haven't always been this age so my sort of fitness my interest in fitness has evolved and changed as as I've got older so I've always been interested in health and well-being um, many moons ago when I had my first son who's 31 now um, I was into pre and postnatal exercise and fitness and I, I um, delivered post antenatal and postnatal classes um, and I guess so my interest has always been around female health, empowering women with education to make informed choices. Um, and as in each phase of my life, so as I've got older, children have got older, my priorities have changed. My interest in fitness has evolved with that, if you like. Um, so to kind of bring you up to date now, because I'm 58 myself, I'm very much about promoting what we can do sort of in the menopause to postmenopause years to promote our health for longevity, because it's not just about um, living longer, but it's about living longer and in as healthy a way as we can. Um, so that's probably, um, and I've got loads more I could say, but in this kind of nutshell, perhaps that gives you a little bit where I am at the moment. Um, and talk to me about why Instagram? Why why post everything on Instagram? Why set up set up the account and put all the post all the content that you do? Was that an easy decision to make? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when it comes to any sort of social media marketing, the best place to be is well, one where your customers are likely to be hanging out, but two on the platform that most suits you. And I'm quite a visual person. I think if you've probably seen all my beach images and all the rest of it, I personally like a bit of amateur photography I think imagery speaks well I'm very comfortable on video and it's just the platform that I feel most comfortable on it isn't necessarily where all my customers are but I'm you know I am having said that because I'm on Instagram I'm reaching people all across the world which was particularly important in the pandemic when all of us had to pivot and put everything online so now my business has kind of changed a bit because I've got clients from around the world whereas pre-pandemic it was very much more local based but I really like Instagram as a medium of communication actually um, 
I prefer that than other social media platforms, but other platforms work well for other people. It's just I really like the visual content of Instagram. I like how it keeps evolving and changing um, and it enables me to reach people from wherever. And I like that visual impact. And I think so many people when it comes to fitness, they want to see like how to do the fitness. So it's a good way of showing them this is what it looks like and this is what you could do and exercise alternatives, as well as those sort of static, more visual images um, and sort of carousel where it might be a how to do it this is a list of things um, along with some of the kind of hard-hitting stuff I put out about female health and female empowerment which is very much is part of that I think and let's chat about I suppose aging and health and aging and, and exercise like one of the things I love about your own account is the fact that you know you're promoting resistance training all of that type of exercise for people making it really simple because it's probably fair to say as we get older people and women and as well obviously do less and less exercise and they may do some cardiovascular like walking or swimming but even the thought of doing a weights workout or resistance workout tends to scare people and, that, and yet that's the thing we need to do the most in terms of you know pre-menopause and post-menopause in terms of osteoporosis and arthritis risks and all that lovely stuff resistance exercise is so important to do yet so few people do it exactly exactly and so what i so we know uh, so public health england here as are asking healthy adults to make sure they're engaged in two strength training sessions a week so first in terms of cardiovascular exercise we want to accumulate 150 minutes of moderate exercise but in terms of strength training to promote our bone health to retain strength and function so daily movements being able to put something up into a cupboard being able to step on a step ladder and step back again, even get things like getting in and out of the bath. And a lot of things that we kind of associate with the, an old person can't do that. Actually, someone older can do that if we retain the use of the strength in our bodies. And unfortunately, we do lose muscle mass with each decade. So if we're not actively doing things to promote retention of strength and function, we will lose it. So that use it or lose it is really really clear um, but also we've got to counter not so much with younger women I think because my daughters are in their 20s and younger women are really kind of understanding strength training now when I first joined the fitness industry um, it was like I was the only woman using weights in the weight section now when I'm in the weight section it's really encouraging to see some younger women using it but women of my generation on the whole have not grown up around strength training and weights and so many women of my age and older are, are quite reticent around that and there are some misconceptions Perceptions we need to deal with some some of it is a worry about um, getting hurt or you know an injury um, they think it's not for them they think they might become a bit muscular they don't want to look a certain way um, and they just they find it a bit intimidating so what I try and do is break down people's barriers around that and show them actually how you can achieve that even from a home setting um, with minimal equipment to promote that muscular strength um, and endurance and avoid things like sarcopenia which is um, loss of uh, strength as we're getting older and some of those things that we associate with old age and how we can kind of uh, avoid that there's no guarantees of course so anyone can have uh, develop a, a cancer or an underlying condition but what we're trying to do is to maximize our chances and reduce risk you know it's just uh, you know, I, I, I live a full and active life now, um, and many of the women I, I work with um, have seen perhaps older relatives or parents or grandparents, and, and they've seen them go into decline, and it frightens them. And here's me telling them, here's the alternative. 
Here's what we can do to reduce the risk of that and to still enjoy all the things you enjoy now in your 40s and 50s or early 60s and continue to enjoy those things in your 70s and 80s. You know, whether that's playing with the grandchildren or walking on the beach or going for long hikes um, or being, you know, having holidays, you know, being able to get on off, off an aircraft when we're all allowed to fly somewhere again. Um, all those things just to enjoy life and, and not to feel like, you know, we, we need to change the narrative that people think aging is sitting in a chair and doing less and less and aches and pains are to be expected and, you know, we need to challenge that narrative. And when we see the possibility of how things could be different, then we then, and understand the action we need to take. We're with half a chance of promoting that healthy aging. Sorry, I'm probably going on a bit, but I, you know, you're, you've got me on the thing that I love talking about. And that's exactly why we have you here. It's wonderful to bring guests on who can talk, which is, for, you know, in terms of, you know, whatever your passion is. Uh, it's a great platform to be able to talk about it. So it's fantastic. It's great. So chat me through that and chat our listeners through that in terms of if they're listening in thinking, you know what, I'm too old to exercise. I'm too unfit to exercise in terms of resistance training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm too, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to begin. I'm going to make a fool of myself, whatever. People have all those excuses. Bring us through that process with maybe some simple tips to get them started, how they can get started and things they should look out for. Okay. So the first thing I would say, you're never too old you're never too old and you've never got too many underlying medical conditions or injuries or anything that will stop you doing this so there's always a level that we can engage everybody on and that's again something I try to promote and share is this is one of the recent posts I put up is okay so this is how you can do cardiovascular training even if you have a knee injury so we can always work around that so I think the first thing is to understand and challenge that idea that you might be too old because we know that we can make improvements at any age we know that scientifically we've got that evidence to back that up we know that we can get stronger at any age as well and again when they measure this and research it scientifically they can see that how they can make older adults improve their muscle mass and strength and function so we know that that's possible so that's the first thing is to challenge that thinking that you're too old and I think the second thing is to understand Yes, fine, you may have an injury, you may have an issue um, as you're getting older. But again, exercise is going to be about preventing injury for the most part. So far from causing injury, actually, because we're stronger, we're making those joints and muscles uh, better, if you like, improving the integrity of the joints and so on. So we can offset the risk of injury. And And if you already have an injury... Not only can we think about injury rehabilitation to get you moving better, uh, but we can still work around things. So say you've already had a couple of surgeries and there's limitations because of that. We can work around that. So I'd always advise someone to get some some specialised coaching, first of all. So, you know, whatever time, because all of us, our time is precious, isn't it? So whatever time we dedicate to exercise, we want to know that we're getting the very best for that time. So in terms of cardiovascular health, very often a starting point for people is say, you know, can you walk 10 minutes from your home and 10 minutes back again? And can you do that every day? And most people, given that, like, can you walk, you know, provided there's not real mobility issues, they might go, yeah, I can walk for 10 minutes in one direction, walk back again. Brilliant. For most people, that's going to be a mile. If they're, if they're achieving that in a week, they're going to achieve the cardiovascular prescription in terms of cardiovascular health if they're walking at a brisk pace. In terms of strength training, very often start with things like stand to sit from a chair. 
So without using your hands, so we're starting to work the lower body and we're just using the strength of the legs and we literally get people to stand, to go from sitting to standing and do that 10 times, uh, you know, for a couple of sets of 10 repetitions and maybe do that all on alternate days. Then we might introduce things like light resistance bands, um, even things like through lockdown, because um, most of my people I were working with didn't have, and, and new people that were coming to me couldn't buy weights. Even if you wanted to buy weights, you couldn't buy them everywhere sold out. So people were using household implements like, you know, baked bean cans, um, washing bar laundry baskets with some books in, anything to add a bit of weight. That's all we're doing. And I guess it's also to understand when we come to when we think about resistance training, why we do it is it by loading the muscles and the joints, making them move something that's a little bit heavier. So we make that muscle stronger because it has to overcome the weight. So if you think about lifting something up from the floor, the, the, all the muscles involved in that have to get a little bit stronger because you're having to lift it. And over time, that makes the muscles, in very simple terms, that makes the muscles stronger, that makes the joints stronger. So that's kind of where I would start. Um, and, you know, so is but you can use body weight for many things as well. So you don't necessarily have to invest in weights. Um, and it's just doing things that just feel a little bit challenging to begin with. And as I say, you don't even have to go into a gym. Resistance bands are a pretty good option for many people starting at home. Great. And menopause has been a topic on, in Ireland and certainly on the podcast here in the last couple of weeks and months where it's been so uh, popular to talk about it, which is brilliant. For pre and post menopause, it, exercise is really, really important. And just tell us a little bit around why people should be looking at, at exercise and resistance exercise, you know, pre, during and post menopause. Absolutely. So the peri to post menopause years. So let's first of all, let's be really clear about so menopause, the average age of menopause is 51. But we can be going through perimenopause, the lead up to menopause up to 10 years before that. And also, of course, many women will experience an early menopause. So in terms of looking at the symptoms, that could be starting in the early 40s. Um, and so we might be starting to feel it isn't. And it's also really important to understand this isn't just the end of our reproductive years. The hormones that affect reproduction also affect every system in the body and our brain health and our heart health and our bone health. So it's because these hormones are fluctuating and reducing that we, we I think we've, just, we've touched on bone health very briefly, but uh, bone health can be um, ma massively decreased in the first few years following menopause. So one of the things we can do to promote bone health is to load the bones through resistance training, through strength training, which promotes our bone density, basically. And one of the problems with that, you think, well, what's the problem with you've got you know, bone density? What does that mean? Well, one of the real problems of that is developing osteoporosis. And osteoporosis is a, a, a condition where the bones are weakened. And the problem with that is many women may have a trip or a fall and then they break their wrist or they break an arm. And it's the very first time they may be aware or they may get told they have osteoporosis, which is quite a frightening thing to hear. Um, and many women will have a fall, very surprisingly, falls start to happen in your 50s. So again, if we're working on strength and thinking about balance and coordination, 
we're, we're learning how to balance better, which comes very naturally to us as children. We bounce around all over the place and we recover and we nearly fall off something and we don't and we recover again. Uh, but as adults, a tiny thing, like, oh, well, that's it, we've lost it completely. So if we include that sort of training, then if, you know, and so that, which helps to the balance issue, but also helps like if we do fall in terms of that bone health, promote that. So it's really important for the bone health. What many people also don't realise is the cardiovascular risk. So Prior to menopause, our cardiovascular sort of heart attack risks are um, lower than men. So we don't sort of traditionally associate women as having heart attacks. But actually, post-menopause, our risk of heart conditions increases and, and it reaches the same level as men. So we need to be doing things to promote our heart health. And if we think about the heart as a muscle, which it is, one of the most important muscles in our body, that we need to be challenging our heart, working our heart so it's efficient. When it pumps blood, it's working efficiently. Um, for every time that heart pumps, it's sending a lot of blood around the system so we have a lower lower resting heart rate, so fit an efficient muscle, and we can do that by doing cardiovascular training, and then that's going to be more protective when we start to, our heart disease risk starts to increase post-menopause. Um, so those are the, the key things really to be thinking about. So, so bone health and our heart health balance, cognitive health as well. And there's a lot of new information around cognitive health and understanding that, you know, many of the things that we're going through menopause, it is not just a condition that it's not just about the, you know, the ovaries and our reproductive health. It's a neurological changes as well. So things like the hot flashes. Um, the anxiety, the sort of depression that might be associated with that, the brain fog, dementia. We know all these things. They're showing stronger and stronger links to what changes are happening in the brain around the peri to postmenopause years. So in terms of our training, we want cognitive challenges in there as well. But we also need to be really aware of what's going on in terms of our diet and alcohol and so on. It's the whole package. And for many people, this is everything that we kind of already know in terms of nutrition. Uh, but it's time to get really serious about some of these things. You know, it's no, it's never, it never was about getting in a, a size, I don't know, a skinny size pair of jeans for women. But our emphasis should always and really, really at this point be about health, health, health. What is going to promote our health and our longevity so that... Sorry, I know I'm going on a bit, but the last, what we know in the UK is that the uh, life expectancy for women is about 83, 84, but healthy life expectancy is 64. Now, I find that quite a shocking figure because that means for many women, the last 15 to 20 years of their life is spent in deteriorating health. So that means the average woman at the age of 64 will start experiencing deteriorating health which means the quality of her life, the way she enjoys her life will be impacted bit by bit. And that's what we're really trying to do is narrow that gap. Life expectancy, fantastic, it's 84. What we want to do is make sure that healthy life expectancy is more or less the same thing, that we're not just kind of slipping off and becoming perhaps sicker, but also more dependent. You know, so many of us don't can't imagine that idea of having to be dependent on other people. Um, and that, you know, that's a real issue. As part of that healthy aging, you know, we've looked at resistance. We pretty briefly talked around food, about eating for health and what can make you healthier and, and having a balanced approach, which is really important. Flexibility is another aspect of health that we need to ensure we're getting enough of as we get older. 
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So that that making sure we've got a good range of movement and mobility through our entire body um, and, and flexibility within the joints. And that's all part of a well, good, well-rounded training program as well. Um, and that's, you know, for people who are like pursuing things like yoga and Pilates, that can be absolutely fantastic. But you don't have to be a yogi to kind of work on flexibility and mobility. And many people will know this themselves. They'll think, oh, I can't tie, I can't reach my, I mean, the worst thing, I can't imagine this not being able to reach your own toenails to cut your nails but of course that's a real real issue for many people so we want to retain mobility and movement for those daily really simple functions that are part of caring for ourselves alongside all the other things you know being able to put our arm back to put a jacket on for example being able to reach overhead to put something in a in a high cupboard or you know for women if we've still got hair being able to brush our hair i know when i have this conversation with guys they often say i haven't got that problem but nevertheless there are going to be plenty of things that you're going to be able to want to reach overhead for um putting your shoes on all these i'm talking in really kind of basic things that hopefully people identify with because when sometimes when you see say flexibility especially nowadays people think of these outlandish yoga poses and they think well I'm never going to do that and but that's not really what we're talking about we're talking about maintaining a range of movement within your joints that allow you to function um, really well and of course we're all being affected by gravity so you know all being pulled downwards a bit so we're all getting slightly rounded shoulders and everyone has spent the entire pandemic probably on uh, you know, so on, on computers, basically, and laptops. And so we're going to have a lot of postural issues and lower back problems. So being flexible can also help with some of these aches and pains that we associate with age as well, sort of feeling tight around the neck and the shoulders. Back pain, really, really common issue. Um, and many people will know themselves, they'll feel tight around their hamstrings. They spend a lot of time sitting down, for example, they say the legs feel tight, the hips feel tight. So that's probably some of the things people might identify with listening to this. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. We're chatting all things healthy aging with Jacqueline Hooten. Jacqueline, let's chat motivation then. The final thing I've got to ask is some really simple tips for people who struggle with motivation or who kind of, you know, are sometimes motivated, sometimes demotivated, struggle to stay on top and stay on track. Any tips for them? Yeah, so I would always say don't rely on motivation. Motivation is a fickle friend. You know, it may be the thing that gets us started. There may be something, an incident or something that makes us think, right, that's it, I'm going to do it. But we can't rely on motivation to keep us going. So when I work with people and everything I put on about social media is really about embedding healthy habits, which is coming back to that thing where I talked about, you know, can you go for a walk 10 minutes from your home and back again? Could you start, if there's someone not doing anything at all, I'd say, could you do that every other day? So we start really simple by embedding some health supporting habits like this. So it's not, you know, immediately changing your entire diet overnight you know, dropping everything that you currently might be introducing. And also I like to think about instead of taking things away, like if someone's not eating any fruit and vegetables, for example, we might say, could you eat an apple? Oh, I don't know. Well, could you eat half an apple every other day? Or right, I'm prepared to try that. I'm talking really simple terms now, but hopefully, you know, people would understand that. So it really isn't about motivation. It's about finding habits that you can sustain and build them into your life bit by bit. I think the other thing that goes with that is come back to think about your why, your the key goals that you have, and to keep revisiting that. So if I find someone's motivation, for want of a better word, is, is waning, we go back to is that goal still important to you? You know, if someone has said to me, I've seen my 
father in a nursing home. I don't want to end up like that. I realize I need to address it. I'm really disturbed by what I'm seeing. I'm going, okay, is that still important to you? Do you still want to avoid that sort of downward spiral? Yes, I do. Okay. So, and when we come back to that, why we're doing it again, then bit by bit, we keep reinforcing why this is important. And I say the key to that is to go gently and slowly. I find the kind of the quickest way to drop out of this is to have ridiculous expectations too high at the beginning and think, right, I'm not doing any exercise. I'm going to exercise every day and I'm going to clean up my diet and I'm going to do it. And then it just becomes unattainable. And then people get demotivated and they think, see, I knew it wasn't for me in the first place. So it's just gradually bit by bit. So I would I would say the key to that is embedding healthy habits and start off gently and start off with what feels achievable. And very often if someone says to me, well, I'm going to exercise every day, I say, I don't want you to do that. And they're really quite, what do you mean? I want to do that. No, I don't want, I don't want you to do it. I want, we're going to do this program and we're going to do it three times a week. Well, actually two times a week for a couple of weeks, but I think I can do more. I don't want you to. When I know that they've done it for a couple of weeks and they're champing at the bit to do another session, that's a different matter. That's what I find works better for people because if you're trying to change something, you're putting something into someone's life, it's got to be achievable. They've got to feel that they can do it. Jacqueline, it's been great to catch up. If people want to follow you on Instagram, where can they find you? Um, They can find me at Her Garden Gym. So Her Garden Gym, and they'll find lots of videos and things for beginners right the way through to more experience. They'll find lots of different tips um, exercise videos, but also me talking to camera. And I quite often have guests on to talk about key issues that affect women in midlife and beyond. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And I really enjoy catching up with you too. Folks, that's it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, you know where we are, realhealthatindependent.ie, at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram. If you liked what you listened to, don't forget to rate and review. And we'll see you next week for more Real Health. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.